I'm sitting here right now with the president of the Sarkov Metalheads and the, uh, I guess you're going to call him project manager, the ideas man behind uh, Heathen Fest, a new festival that is hitting the South Coast in June. Uh, I'm sitting here with Lukey Worthington on the phone, no, actually in the same room as him. How you going, Lukey? Not too bad, Tom, man, yourself? Yeah, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, actually. Yeah. Excellent. So, I want to ask you the first question. Well, obviously it will be the first question if uh, if it's the start of the interview. But anyway, um, I digress. <laughs> Tell me a bit about your history, especially in regards to music and metal. Because, like, a lot of people out there might know you from the... When we broke down this the uh, Soundwave 2016 lineup that never happened, but uh, a lot of people out there might not know exactly who you are and what you do and why you're you're so involved in the metal community. So, uh, what was the first album you ever owned? Uh, the first album I ever owned. Um probably when I was five or six uh, the old man brought it for me and it was the Kiss Revenge album which looking back on it now is a pretty bad fucking album to start with but um, <laughs> man I was I was so into it man I wanted to be Gene Smith so hard when I was a kid um, it was like on the album they're all um, like in leather coats and stuff like that and they weren't wearing the makeup so they just look like hard ass old dudes you know but um, it was probably the first like metal album I ever owned or like first like heavy album I ever owned. But at the same time, I think within like a week of getting that, I also owned Nikki Webster's Strawberry Kisses because I had a fucking massive crush on her. Nice. So, yeah, like, like all kids at the time. But um, yeah, definitely definitely like um, Kiss Revenge, I think was the first album I ever owned. I had, um, I had access to all my old man stuff like when I was a kid, but that was like the first one I used to like, you know, take everywhere we went on the car trip that CD was with me no so, yeah so that's what pretty much got you into metal in the first place I wouldn't say what got me into it but probably the thing that kick started my um my collection or my um my sort of desire to further into it I think um, the old man used to play Alice Cooper to me when I was like in the cradle. It was the only thing that used to like get me to sleep. That like Black Sabbath and uh, what else? You, like uh, ACDC and all that sort of stuff. Um, used to like when I was like like young, like one or two, I think, and that definitely had a massive influence um, on what I listen to now. I mean, I, I guess if I listened to my mum's music when I was a kid, I'd probably be listening to the radio nowadays. But like. Um, yeah, that sort of like that album was the one that sort of made me want to pursue it a lot more. Uh, do you yourself play an instrument? Uh, yeah, I do. I play. Um, well, I try. I wouldn't say I'm good or I really play, <laughs> but um, I'm a bit of a dilettante really when it comes to it. But I play um, guitar and bass, and I try my luck at vocals. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best by any means. But um, I'd definitely give it a go, so... Uh, very yeah. cool. Uh, so, what was the first concert you ever went to? Like, first metal concert, I should say. And was it an inspiration behind Heathen Fest? Um, first metal concert I ever went to, like, first proper uh, metal concert I went to was back in 2012 with my brother, and it was a Lamb of God Sidewave, I think they played with uh, Black Dahlia Murder and In Flames too, but nice. I only went for the Lamb of God um, because I'm fucking I'm a massive fanboy when it comes to Lamb of God, really. Um, but yeah, so that was like back in 2012, I think. Um, I would have been like a fresh 16 or 17. Um, yeah, so we, like, we went up for that one. That was pretty good. Um, but at the same time I'd, I'd been going to like local gigs for years before that I was sort of like the kid of North Street like the mascot um, in like local gigs and stuff because I was like 15, 16 hanging out with like the best of them <laughs> partying on with like you know like I've seen um, bands like uh, what do we have we had so many cool bands come through North Street like 
Um, Drew and Dave used to book these awesome gigs and put them in on the uh, North Street Cafe, which if anyone like ever remembers, it was just like this little dinky pot cafe that you'd be lucky to fit 20 people in. We used to like cram like 40 like angry punks into this venue and just like get lit. So um, yeah, I mean like we had um, like, and I had like Bob Log play there one time. That was fucking awesome. Bands like uh, Bruce and Super Best Friends. Gay uh, Paris played though. Gay Paris, man. I I got so legless in the kitchen with Gay Paris before they played. I don't even <laughs> remember any of their set. I think I came to it like three o'clock in the morning just to Drew and Dave sweeping the floor, and they were like, "Oh, Lukey, you're finally with us. You missed the entire show." <laughs> but, yeah, man. Like I was, um, I definitely like I I consider them to be real concerts. You know, people don't consider local concerts or. Um, local gigs to be like you know oh that wasn't my first gig but I definitely man like I was doing that shit when I was um, you know 14, 15 and sort of like hitting it hard when I was 16 I was at every gig that you know was heavy so exactly like I consider them gigs I consider them if I get as entertained at a local show as I do at a like uh, what's it called now Kudos Arena show then I consider that a concert if you know what I mean yeah and the kings of that in my view are King Parrot they will play the same at uh, the Mariners as they do when they play at like the Metro Theatre in Sydney if you know what I mean yeah man like they're um, they're they're a great example of um, local to international you know I used to see King Parrot for 10 bucks on a band with like you know 10 other bands on a bill with like 10 other bands or so yeah. And now, you know, you pay a bit of money to see them play a big venue, but they still play with the same amount of energy and the same amount of um, sort of like in-your-face attitude, like they're for the crowd, they're for the entertainment, not there for the money that mm-hmm. they were playing um, when I used to see them for 10 bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I love about it, and that's why you've got to consider the local stuff to be the same as the big stuff, because one day these bands will be doing international stuff and yeah. it's going to be the same we'll put it on a big sale it's not like Metallica went straight from deciding one day hey we're going to uh, form a band to all of a sudden playing like the Madison Square Garden they, yeah, they had true. to do those garage gigs on the way up yeah that's it you got to start from the bottom and work your way up uh this is a personal question of mine. Uh, how many records and or CDs do you own? Because I have been complimented on my collection, but I don't have a massive quantity. I have a fuckload of quality. I have, like, the rarest records you can think of and the rarest CDs you can think of, and they're all signed. Uh, I've got Sacrament Deluxe Edition with the making of the album signed by the entire band. I have the Abbey Road EP by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of, I think it's 1,500 in the world or something like that, signed by every living member that was on that yeah, record. Yeah. Uh, but I have been told that your re- your record and CD collection is fucking huge and it makes mine look like a little like little girl crying in the schoolyard. Well, um, as with everything important, it's not about the size that matters. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, man. I like. I see. I look at my collection, and I I think it's not that big because I compare it to um, people people I know. Like you know, Jay from Inhuman Remnants has got fucking thousands, whereas I think in my CD collection I've probably got five hundred or so. Um, I, don't, I haven't really counted. I can tell you now that it's taller than me, so that's like five by four tall if I stack up most of them just local and stuff uh, like Australian bands and a few big bands and stuff um, in my record collection last count I think was about 200 200 to 250 and that's that's like a real mix of everything but um, it's consists of a lot of my inspiration uh, in black metal so most of it, most of it is black metal and rock and roll that I grew up with um, but there's also stuff like uh, like the B-52s and like classical music in there as well as like Lead Belly and Robert Johnson and sort of all that sort of stuff that were really like a big influence on it. So like yeah. my collection, there's a bit in it, but most of it is just stuff that I can reference for inspiration um, or stuff that I really enjoy. 
Uh, so yeah, like there's there's a bit in it, but also like I've sort of I, I thrive on sort of like trying to collect as many as the local stuff as I can. So every time I, like uh, like when we had clowns play pitted, I think I brought all their records. I get them all signed purely for the reason of I know one day that they're going to be doing something massive, and I'll be able to say like, look, man, I've got like their first record and it's signed. You know, like. Um, it sounds a bit cocky and ambitious, but um, I, I, it's like a real collection of memorabilia, something to hang on to. So, yeah, I've got a fair bit in it, but it's definitely going to grow. It's going to get bigger, um, especially like at this point now, where I've sort of like got a pretty good paying job and a very indispensable income. So, <laughs> I just sort of throw my money at stuff like that. No wonder you have so many tattoos. Yeah, that's it. I think we worked out the other day that I'm sitting on about 80 hours worth of ink at the moment. Jesus Christ. I'm sitting on, I think it was 20, 30 hours, and I stopped recently because I ran out of cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it gets hard. I'm at the point now where um, uh, was it? I, I sat a two-hour session the other day, and it was so weird because I've only ever sat like four-hour sessions, I think, was my minimum before that. Um, so I'm at the point now where I'm booking like two, uh, two to three day bookings of six hours a day, you know, um, yeah. just to sort of dust out as many ideas as I can. Yeah. I, I sit down for three hour sessions that's about all I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pricey nowadays, but you know, it could be worse. I could be addicted to heroin or something. Yeah. Well, shout out to Free Spirit Tattoos who do both of our tattoos. Yeah, man. But you've got a few more than me. You overtook me pretty quickly. <laughs> but uh, for a while there, I had the most in the area, and I was happy with it. Yeah, man, it's pretty cool. Uh, definitely, man, the boys at Free Spirit are good. Uh, great, great metal-loving dudes. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, like, I've, I've hit Mitchie with some pretty weird designs, and he doesn't even bat an eyelash for it. You know, stuff that you go anywhere else and people go like, man, that's weird. But, you know, you get it done, you go to a metal concert, people go like, fuck yeah, that's the most metal tattoo I've ever seen. So, you know, it's good to have some ballsy people behind you to pull off them ideas. Yeah, and I've known Jason since literally the store opened. I remember getting my first tattoo with him when it was one chair behind a bamboo friggin' uh, divider. And, like, Dave, who's no longer there, Brett, and I... Mitchie, yeah, they were they weren't even twinklers in his eye. He wasn't planning on expanding anytime soon. And all of a sudden, four years later, and he was like, "Yeah, I think I need a new shop." I'm like, no. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's continue with the interview. Uh, so you earlier in the questions you referenced uh, what your mum and dad listened to and stuff like that. So. What yep. kind of music do your parents listen to? Like, uh, do you listen to the same music these days? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, uh, my um, my dad sort of listens to um, a lot of like I don't know, I call it old school rock and roll, but to him, it's just rock and roll because that's what it was in the day. You know, his um, his record collection is probably one of the things that sort of really inspired me to collect vinyl. Um, mainly because like you own a vinyl and you've got something really cool so like in that collection was like heaps of like Maiden ACDC Black Sabbath um, stuff like that so I grew up listening to all that stuff and it had like massive influence on me when I was younger like attitude wise um, and definitely when it came to the music uh, as as for mum I, I don't really know what mum listens to because I, for lack of a better word don't care um it's sort of like metal hit me in the face and everything else went out the ear, you know, like um, she listens to a bit of radio music and like dance and pop and stuff, I guess. Um, it, it helps in tolerating it when in social situations. But um, the influence definitely came from dad's side of the music. And, and by the same time, by the same token, like um, I show dad bands. Like I got dad into Tool and Opeth and stuff like that, you know, where he can listen to it and go like, man, I can hear the influence from, you know, this band that I listened to back in the day. Yeah. So, um, like, a lot of rock and roll and stuff. He also listens to pretty obscure stuff. Um, I think, I forget who was it by, um, but he had, like, the Tangerine Dream album. Yeah. 
uh, by Rubicon, I think they were, which were the same guys that did the electronic outro on the Mayhem Death Crush album, which is pretty cool that we sort of like pieced two and two together. I was like, man, I know this guy, like listening to the album when I was, you know, a bit older. Yeah. which now, like, it's still obscure as it is then, and that's sort of like, that also inspired me to sort of, you know, you branch out a little bit into something that can be easily linked into or incorporated with something extreme. For example, you know, uh, Rubicon and Mayhem, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, like, the old man listens to rock and roll, but at the same time, like, I get him into metal. I think uh, in October we're going to go see... Uh, Alice Cooper together playing Canberra that'll be sick Um, so yeah I know this is going to be really really sad of me but I didn't know Alice Cooper was touring Australia yeah yeah like um, I only found out last week I think it was it was sort of a bit hush hush and then it sort of like came up through social media in the last two days or so but even still it's not it's like it's not it doesn't seem like they're advertising it like they would like uh, like remember when uh, ACDC toured was it year before last I think it was and it was everywhere yeah. you couldn't like open a magazine or go on Facebook or do anything without seeing like an advert for like ACDC playing Australia again um, I suppose you know. it's a little bit different with ACDC and Alice Cooper I guess <laughs> Uh, there is the same same vintage, but definitely a totally different following and um, different different numbers. So, which is kind of like that whole uh, Metallica Anthrax argument, you know? Like, what if they were bigger than the other bands? You know, like it's it's a bit like that. Right. It's sort of you have to, you have to advertise something as big as ACDC because everyone knows that you can get anyone to go to that gig. You yeah, know? true. Right. Oh, I believe, and I'm a firm believer in this, that uh, the latest Anthrax album, All Hail the Kings, if that came out back in 88, we wouldn't have heard of Slayer. Wouldn't have heard of Megadeth. Oh, sorry, yeah, we like, would have heard them of them, but they wouldn't be number two and three. But yeah, you, they wouldn't have been as big as Metallica, but my God, if that album came back, came out in 88, it would have blown everyone out of the water because that album is fucking mwah. well definitely I mean and like coming from I think it was the album before last don't I've got no idea what it was called but it's um sort of like it wasn't that crash hot it was sort of about the same time I think everyone brought out a really mediocre album from like the big four yeah. and now like everyone's sort of like compensating for it and I think I uh, um Anthrax really kicked everyone's ass because yeah. like you listen you listen to like uh, Dave Mustang's vocals now and it's just like fuck you are, you're getting old like they're starting to show their age which is weird because like um, I mean I'm only a puck in the world I'm only 22 but I still think of like Hetfield and Mustang and all that as sort of like these you know uh, middle aged guys you know kicking it with all the young guys but in hindsight they're getting on they're all um, in their mid 50s yeah, that's it. And, like, um, I think you'll hear this from anyone that's a big fan of, like, Megadeth back in the day, but, like, Mustang sounded better on drugs. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I think now you listen to him and you just, like, realise he's just, like, this ageing dude. And same as Slayer. I mean, like, I am, like, every other Slayer fan in the fact that I would still carve their name into my forehead and run into a church. But, like, they've done everything. The sounds are all there. Um, there's only so many Kerry King guitar solos you can listen to before you go, yeah, all right, it's cool, it's Slay, you know. Um, but, you know, Anthrax is still doing this fucking, like, in your face. Like, ah, fuck this. I interviewed Frank Bellow, the bass player from Anthrax, a few, like, yeah. last year it was, and uh, he was like, yeah, we, we've, we've still got Scott, we've still got all the other members, and we we just uh, went to the studio and we decided because usually they write the tracks before they go in and they yeah. had it all done and they went in there and they got a new producer and he said how about you jam it out just a couple of the tracks and they ended up rewriting the entire album yeah and it worked for them they tried something new whereas uh, I think Slayer pushed themselves a bit for, uh, too fast after Jeff Hanneman died 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, it doesn't matter what they do. That's still a big void to try and fill. Yeah. Um, especially because everyone in that band works so tightly together and yeah. have done for a long time. Um, so it doesn't matter what you fill that with. It's still going to, like, you're going to try and push yourself um, to fill that. Whereas Anthrax aren't really trying to push that, that point uh, to fill a void or anything. Exactly. So, uh... To continue on the line of questioning, because I kind of took it off a tangent <laughs> for a minute. Uh, everyone has at least one. Yeah. Uh, what did your parents listen to that embarrassed the fuck out of you the most? Fuck. Um, I don't know. The old man and I never had any like songs that used to embarrass me because it would both be like banging our heads to the same stuff. But like, mum used to have this um, uh, the chords. I think they were called. They're like a Swedish brother and sister pop band from like turn of the century, and they were like they were awful. It was so bad, and everywhere we went, she had it like windows down music turned right up singing along driving down the street of our hometown and like I don't know I don't think anyone ever paid attention to it or really thought anything of it because it was a small town and everyone knew everyone but like she'd be doing that and I'd be like sunk so far down in the seat that nobody could see me because <laughs> I just couldn't couldn't stand being seen with like you know this crazy lady rambling on to this crappy pop music um in hindsight, it probably wasn't that bad. I mean, like, uh, I got friends whose parents loved the chicken dance and used to play it everywhere because they thought the kids liked it. Um, I never had anything that torturous, fortunately. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I guess I was, I was pretty good at, like, at, uh, blocking things out. So, you know, mum could have been playing... Uh, mum or dad could have been playing anything because I just would have been zoned out in my own little world. <laughs> That's, that's what Walkman's... Oh, sorry. That's what MP3 players were invented for. <laughs> that's it, man. I, I always had my uh, my tape player with me. I'd always be getting about with a Walkman, listening to whatever dad used to um, burn me off little, like, you know, record tapes of stuff. So I'd always be listening to that to the point where I was like... They used to take it off me in school because they'd be trying to, like, talk to me. This is, like, back in primary school when I was a kid teachers would be talking and just be like off in my own little world you know listening to Iron Maiden or something uh, so what is your guilty pleasure my guilty pleasure like if you had kids what would make them go oh fuck not again um probably Stevie Nicks well that's um, not really a guilty pleasure I mean Stevie Nicks I know I mean like I don't know that's I don't I've thought about this a few times. In, if you go through my record collection and my CD collection, there's a lot of things that jump out as unusual but sort of stick in there. Like the B-52s, you sort of listen to them. They're a bit obscure, they're a bit strange, and everyone knows them. But, like, they've got some really cool, like, um, rocky tracks, you know? Um, but, like, I've got, like, a fair bit of, like, Stevie Nicks just in and about my collection. It's probably the only thing that I'd really call a guilty pleasure, you know, like, um, I wait until the boys go out and I'm cleaning the house and you know you'll hear Stevie Nicks turned all the way up the neighbours must think that I'm like some stay at home mum sometimes oh <laughs> uh, that's awesome so just Stevie Nicks not uh, not um, uh, I'm terrible with names um, Fleetwood Mac yeah that one I mean um, Fleetwood yes. sometimes I mean like I was it's more so her voice that really catches me. Oh, okay. So, so like, because she does it, like, the solo side of things, it's really good. But, I mean, like, I've got them both. I've got Fleetwood and Stevie. So, yeah, they both get their fair turns. So, why were you inspired to make Heathen first happen? Um, so... Pretty much the idea for Heathen first came around, like, late December, I think it was. Um, after after the King Parrot gig we've pitted and like we've been talking about doing a gig for a long time and um, after the King Parrot gig I'm like man that was really good there was really good numbers at the gig the crowd was really good really happy 
Um, there was <laughs> there was minimum injuries. I mean, apart from brown paper bag, but there were three happened. injuries or what? <laughs> yeah, Scobie but, got his um, face split open. Cal dislocated his elbow, and Joe McDowell from uh, brown paper bag snapped his ankle to a right angle. Yeah, um, in hindsight, that's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think scurvy wears blood like a um, like a war medal, and cow can dislocate anything at any given time. So, realistically, it was only one injury. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, we're really happy with it. And then, of course, the unfortunate downfall of Pitted. And um, I sort of like was sitting there one morning, and I sort of walked out into a lounge room in my underwear um, saying to Barnsley, I live with Barnsley, uh, which is the, uh, my right-hand man in the South Coast Metalheads. I just sort of walked out and was like, yeah, we should do a fucking gig. And that was it for a while. And then sort of like late January, I think it all started falling together. So like, um, especially with like the fall of Pitted, uh, we really didn't want like the all the hard work that you and Sky had done to sort of just fall into nothing. Especially now that like there's an established scene on the um, on the south coast here, where people know like oh that's that's a metal gig you know as opposed to you know people just asking what it is, people can see it, the gig posters and go like oh that's one of that metal gigs you know, yeah. so it was really such a shame to let something go go to waste. Yeah. So we sort of laid it up and went like man let's fucking do it you know like the crowds there the people are calling for it. Um, and you know, like the kids need something on home grounds to look forward to. Yeah. Um, even though, even though it's only like two hours to Canberra, you know, like it's still good to have something in your home, like hometown, that you can be like, man, that's fucking cool. That's where I live. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was it. And also on the other end, I mean, like some of the bands that are on the bill love it down here. I mean, like Jay from Inhumans from Mogo. So, you know, his parents and stuff are down here, but, like, it's it's really cool for them to come back to the town that they live in and play a show, you know? Yeah. Um, and, like, stuff like, you know, bands like Black Mountain and Rain of Terror and stuff, who've never played a gig down this far, and Rain of Terror's been playing for a while, so why the fuck not, you know? Like, it's it's cool. It's It's almost like... You know, playing playing in a different country. You know, playing somewhere where you haven't played before is awesome. You know, yeah, uh, it's it's a change from everything. You know, especially Canberra bands um, that generally like bands of these sizes. I mean, like they're big, but they're not international. You know, so they don't really play tours. So it's almost like a mini tour in itself. Yeah. So it's an advantage on their end to to come down and expand the fan base. So. Who is on the lineup? So on the lineup, uh, we have in no particular order: Rain of Terror, um, Inebriator, Black Mountain, Inhuman Remnants, Terrorvorus, and Cockbelch. Um, now most of them, well, actually almost all of them, are camera bands, uh, which wasn't deliberately done. It was just. I know most of the members of the bands personally or are good friends with them. And, um, yeah, like, it was just easy to get onto them and say, like, hey, come play a show, like, um, because they were up for it. And it's not much travel time, so the expenses come in at little to nothing. Um, but, like, they're all, they all fit so well together. I mean, um, especially in keeping with, like, the black metal, death metal sort of theme, with the exception of... Cockbelch, but Cockbelch play well with anyone. I mean, like Scream Punk, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and Terravorus, which are local legends, which I dare to say to go out on a limb, are probably the heaviest band to come out of the South Coast so far. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would say that too. I can't think of, no one else comes to mind as the Camatron with their heaviness, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's it. I mean, um, I've got something in the works at the moment with uh, Damien from uh, Inhumed, which is going to be a black metal project, but oh. we're, we're sort of hoping to take out that title. <laughs> um, not not for a challenge or anything, but, you know, it'd be nice to shove a bit of wind up the boys' pipes, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, they've, uh, I know, I know for a fact that they've all been like hidden away and writing new songs and they'll have a few or at least one ready for debut at Heathen Fest. Yeah, that's it. I was sort of, I was talking to the boys and they've been talking about this new song for, oh man, like months now, you know, like every gig, like, yeah, we might play that new song and then they sort of, I think it was only in the last two gigs I've seen them on, they actually played a new song. So when I was talking to them, I was like, boys, I really want to hear a new song. Yeah. Because there's only so many times you can hear Seed of Destruction before you want to punch Scott in the face. <laughs> Although it's, it has evolved from the first time we sung it to the last time we sung it. <laughs> That's it, man. I've still got a poster with uh, where, where they're down as Arts and Crafts Must Die. Is that and River Fest? Uh, yeah, Riverfest and the first pitted poster. Oh, with Sugrashen, yeah. Yeah, um, and I think Scotty's hair was like, sort of like shoulder length, just a bit higher, and he was just bopping around on stage and sort of sounded a bit like some like hardcore screamo kid, you know, like, um, screaming, this is the seat of destruction with like three dudes in the front row throwing their arms about like they were uh, <laughs> having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh so why is it called Heathen Fest? Um, so pretty much what we wanted to do, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to have it number six. So it'd be 666 starting at six o'clock. Um, but it's tighter. We couldn't, of course, because I think the six is like a Monday or something like that. So that's fucking ridiculous. But um, we called it Heathen Fest to tie in with sort of like the winter solstice pagan theme um, that... It, it works well with the bands, um, especially in the black and death metal sort of uh, setting. It goes so well. Um, and especially, too, with the beard competizing with the Viking trend that seems to be going about at the moment, which is sort of like a, um, a, a good coincidence, I guess. Um, and also, too, it's just... It lets everyone know what they're in for. You know, like I haven't called it like puppy dogs and rainbows and people are going to rock up and get punched in the face by like some rain of terror riffs, you know, like um, it, you you see the poster and you sort of can half expect it's going to be a heavy geek, um, which is good, especially for around this area where people know what metal is or have a rough idea but don't know what to expect. So it's sort of like, um, I guess it's like being in a music, in a movie store and looking at the horror movie section. You see the covers and you know that they're horror movies, you know. You look at the poster and the theme and the title and stuff and you know it's going to be a heavy gig. Or I'd like to hope so. Maybe I put a little bit too much faith in people's ignorance at the time. But um, yeah, it was sort of did it um, to tie in with a pagan theme and it just has a nice ring to it, you know, like... I reckon Heathen Fest is something that is a name that can carry on, you know, like whether it be you put a date to it or a number to it, you know, like Heathen Fest 2017, Heathen Fest 2018, or Heathen Fest 1, Heathen Fest 2. Um, it just it has a ring to it. So, uh, no, I have heard people say, so that hasn't happened yet, but I've heard people say, uh, what's going to be happening for Heathen Fest 2 or Heathen Fest 2018. Is there any plans to have the future editions of Heathen Fest? Man, I, I really want to. I've already got bands contacting me wanting to play Heathen Fest 2018. And um, I'd, I'd really want to do it. It comes down to how well this one goes. Um, at the moment, it's definitely going to be a passion project. It's a passion project to myself and Barnsley are willing to um, sort of cop um, because it's something that we see needs to happen um, however if it's something that's unfeasible next year then probably not as much as I'd like to but I can see it being a thing um, definitely if not um, a yearly then maybe twice yearly maybe not under two times a year of season fest but Two, two big gigs um, a year is sort of what I'm aiming for um, down here on the coast. So I would love to continue it with the Heathen Fest theme yeah. next year and hopefully the year after. So uh, what are your aspirations for Heathen Fest? 
um, as for where I want this one to go. Like, do, like for the future, do you want the uh, the size of Eden Fest to increase or decrease even? Because oh, like, some people prefer to decrease the size of their shows and put them in smaller venues. I do not know why from a promoter's point of view. That just means that you're losing money. But, like, the environment, I get it, and all that stuff. But, like, do you have future aspirations for it? Man, I, I want it to um, tenfold, if anything. Um, we sort of, we stuck with, like, a six-band theme plus a beard comp and a few things beforehand. Um, for this one is a reasonable size and the fact it's not going to take too much trade out of the venue's regular trade um, whereas next year I'm aiming for maybe a whole day event um, sort of something like Riverfest like Drew and Dave run nowadays where you start at 12 and finish at 12 you've got a solid 12 hours worth of shit that you can dust through whether you put on 12 bands or you give them all a half hour set and you can put on a lot more. But um, I, would, I would love to do um, for it to, to double in size um, in future events to come because there's so many um, bands coming through, uh, especially in the Australian scene. I've noticed every it sort of goes in cycles of every five years or so, bands sort of like everyone does something at once and it's really cool. Um, it's sort of hard to just pick out six bands and say like, all right, I'm just going to do that when I've got maybe 50 bands that I'd love to do something with. Yeah. Um, you yourself as a pro- promoter would know about this, um, especially like with Pitted where you'd be limited to putting on four bands at a time where you'd be going like, man, but there's another band I want to put on, you know? Like, um, So yeah, we want it to be bigger as well as other attractions. Yeah. Um, See, I've got uh, my friends at Ambiguous would love to do um, not so much, uh, I guess you'd kind of call it like a, a piercing tent sort of a thing or like a piercing awareness or sort of a thing where it sort of goes hand in hand with the metal crowd or the extreme crowd of, you know, piercings and body modification and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's cool that you could add to it with things like that. And it also adds like that extra aspect of um, more attractions for everyone, as well as in the day. I mean, like people can bring their kids, you know, stuff like that. You know, like Little Fella's first metal concert would be pretty cool to, you know, wear as a, um, you know, I saw my first band at Heathen Fest. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Is there a motto for Eden Fest? Like, for example, the former Alcan podcast is all metal and mostly Aussie, uh, and Pitted's was hardcore punk and metal. Uh, is there a motto of Eden Fest? Um, I don't know. We haven't really set one. Like, we haven't agreed on one. But um, we, we put Get in the Pit on all of our stationery. So that's become our running theme for both Haven Fest and um, South Coast Metalheads, which is getting the pit, which isn't meant in like a violent term or anything, but it's meant like get in it, get amongst it, um, especially at, at metal crowds, you know, where something so intimidating is actually not. So it's it's aimed at everyone and everything, get in the pit, you know, get fun. amongst it, get in the metal. Yeah. Um. So what are the Sarko Metalheads? What are we? Um, fuck. Um, I don't know. I, I, we're, we've never really sat down and talked about what we are. We do a lot of things, but we've never really like labelled it and put it all under the one big hat. Um, it, sort of, it started, our friend um, Doug, or Dylan Chambers as he's actually called it, Dylan Doug because Dylan's fucking weird. Um, he he started South Coast. He started uh, the Facebook group back in like 2013, I think. And I was always at him like, man, man, let's let's make this like a gang, like a group, like a thing, you know, like get together and stuff. And it it started as like a music appreciation thing, and sort of went from to advertising for gigs and promotion and stuff like that which was a very niche thing to get into I mean um, you got onto us for Pitted and asked if we wanted to advertise your gigs 
um, which we were more than happy to do because we didn't know what we were doing at the time and it was easy for us to do, you know. Um, So I guess, if anything, um, we started as appreciation and just like a metal group and now we've turned more into a promotion and advertising as well as management um, with gigs and stuff like that. So we're looking to take it more in a... Um, promotion and management side of things um, for bands looking to play gigs but have nowhere to go or no one to advertise them is probably I, if I was going to put it on paper for a business person to look at is what I'd put it down to but um, realistically at the end of the day I mean like it's still the same as what it was when Doug started it man we're a group of metalheads that just fucking love metal and mostly Australian metal man like it's it's a very underappreciated scene when it comes to the global side of things. Speaking um, of which, who are your favourite Australian metal bands from the past or present? Uh, can, can you explain your love of Inhuman Remnants? Fuck. Um, <laughs> my love for Inhuman Remnants. Oh, um, so... Inhuman I first saw when I was like fresh 18 and started going to the basement in Canberra Uh, my brother worked there at the time so I used to like go there to see him when he was on shift and then just like get wasted and mosh about and uh, one night we were were about to bail I think I was too drunk or my brother had picked up a girl or something like that and um, we were about to leave and I was like Inhuman was on last and they were on graveyard so like everyone was either drunk or leaving I just remember looking over and seeing, like, these dudes in, like, bloodied butchers' aprons just fucking going off. Like, um, Dave, the singer, is... He's a big dude, you know, so sort of, like, he's in front of the stage just being an intimidating bear that he is, you know, like, the guttural vocals. Um, And I I sort of, like, I forced myself to stay. Oh, I forced Mark to let me stay because he was sort of, like, in the car beeping the horn. Um, You know, and it's sort of been, like, a weird stalker-fanboy relationship since. Um, They've they've got everything I look for, I guess, in metal. They've got fast fucking drums, vocals deeper than the pits of hell, and, like face melting guitar solos but at the same time the dudes are fucking cool dudes um they'll do it they'll have a beer with you they'll hang out they'll talk music um especially something um on my side of things like with heathen fest they've been nothing but fucking help um with it all but the music is just good it's good genuine music and it's very i know i feel like they're doing something in a scene like in especially in death metal or grindcore where everything's been done even though they're doing something that is existing, it's still very individual. And I think that's hard to come by in metal nowadays to find something that hasn't been done or that sounds different and stands out and they definitely stand out. Um, I guess, I mean, uh, if you were to put it in a, in a term, they give me like a uh, music erection. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I fucking, it's not hard obvious, it's not that, um, hard to know that I love them I mean like I've got their logo tattooed on my arm so I'm probably like the biggest fan they've got so do you have your eyes on any up and coming bands um I've, there's a few bands um coming out of Australia that I've got my like I've always got my eyes on a lot of things um for gig uh references and uh, like people to play gigs and stuff but there's there's a select few I keep my eyes on for um, every other reason and one of them at the moment is Black Mountain um, which is Kimmy and the boys from Canberra they're on the Heathen Festival Uh, they've been kicking for a while now but in the last 12 months they've really taken off um, and started doing things I think especially with their Pagan Hymns album which is coming out soon Um, if anyone needs uh, I've got copies of like a live rehearsal if anyone wants to hit up the South Coast page and send them out one um, but yeah like it's once again good Australian stuff like just awesome black metal um, that's cool but um, by the same token I mean one of the bands that I've always got my eye on and like I'm always looking forward to see what they do next is 
Terrorist, mainly because they're um, it's 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 weird. Like I, I went to school with some of them. I'm good mates with all of them. I've known them for years, and now they're in this band that's taken off. You know, like and they're. Um, they're playing they're starting to do big things you know like they're playing with like King Parrot and stuff like that and you know you see him playing you're like fuck man this is a guy I went to school with you know like it's weird it's sort of like um, I get a weird feeling of pride every time I see him because you you can see it at that level and know that it's like an achievable thing it's not like a bullshit dream to be chasing to play in a big band yeah. because these guys are doing it um, I just want them to get off their ass and fucking write a, an album so I can actually show people what I'm talking about. Oh, but, um, believe me, I've been telling them to get off their ass and do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like, I, I don't know, I just, I, I fucking love Terrorvorous. It's like that weird, they're from my town, they play music that I like, and people, I get people coming into the music shop when I'm working, like old people talking about this band from the bay that's the heaviest thing they've ever heard you know and that gives you a weird feeling I mean like this this must be what Lars Ulrich feels like when he hears people talk about Metallica you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, debate I really really enjoy starting out because everybody has a different point of view on it and I just love it because it pisses everybody off no matter what point of view you're on I have my own points of view but I really want to ask you, would you consider ACDC to be metal and would you consider them to be still Australian? Um, I wouldn't consider them to be metal. I would consider them to be rock, to heavy rock at best. Um, just also must keep in mind that I'm a big ACDC fan like every other Australian kid I grew up listening to them. Um, but yeah, I'd call, I'd call them like rock, rock and roll. They're like the first band that springs to mind when I think rock and roll. Someone says rock and roll, I think like you know, I think about Angus Young, you know, jumping around in his schoolboy outfit. But um, I consider them Australian still, probably not. Um, they sort of they had to jump ship to America um, very early in their career to become established. Um, which businessly and musically was a great decision because you look at bands um, that are playing similar things from a similar era they're still playing at like services clubs and you know you can still see Rose Tattoo um, in a pub for 20 bucks yeah. and Rose Tattoo is an awesome Australian rock band I would say they're about the same calibre as they said AC when they were kicking I wouldn't even consider them to be active anymore because of all the recent things that happened I don't even think they're um, continued their tour of actual Rose yeah. but um, you know they they jumped to America very early in their career which was very smart um, and they have permanent residency there and you know that sort of stuff so there I, I call them an, an Australian band um, living in America or an American band from Australia um, but I wouldn't call them you know from through Aussie pride you know um, probably wouldn't well actually no I probably would I was going to say you probably wouldn't wear one of their shirts to like a um, a uh, a I forget right, name yeah. show what was that right. yeah um, say, I, I do. think you'd won <laughs> but yeah uh, I was going yeah I, I wouldn't wear one of their shirts to a Dead Kelly concert but um, you, you probably fucking would actually yeah um, I would if they told me to take it off I'd probably tell them to get fucked Although I love Kelly. <laughs> I was, I was going to say I'd take it off and jump on stage. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. I'd call them rock and roll and, like, uh, an American band from Australia. Yeah. By the same, by the same token, but um, I do still love them. Uh, they have had their flaws like every other band. Yeah. So, uh... We're coming towards the end of the interview. There's only a few questions left. I'm probably going to have to leave at least one question out. And uh, but the question I really want to ask is if if you could travel through time and have anybody on your dream even fast liner, who would it be? All right. Um. 
They can be Sorry. from any country. You have an unlimited budget, and you only uh, have a limit of twenty bands or less. Oh man, only twenty bands. Um, I wrote down a list for this. I've written over the years. I've had quite a few lists for this. Um, but with the question, I've got two lineups for this actually. But I was going to keep with the Heathen Fest theme. This is what my lineup would be. Mayhem with the legendary lineup of Dead, Euronymous, Necro Butcher, and Hellhammer. Dark Throne, Slaughter Lord, Bullet Belt, Armored Angel, Slayer, back in the Show No Mercy days. Venom, back in the Welcome to Hell days. As well as the actual lineup that I have at the moment. So I would have Reina Terra, Inebriator, and Human, Terra Vorus, Fuck Belch, so on, so on. Um, but I would have stuff like, uh, what else I got? Hellhammer, Fabian Forest, Backyard Mortuary, The Berserker, Sadistic Executioner, Hortopsy, and Bolt Thrower would be my um, know, my dream lineup if I was to keep with the uh, Heathen Fest theme. However, awesome. if I was just going to have like all day of just pure rock, I would definitely go with um, my. Uh, my influences, my main influences in all music, which would be Motorhead, Pantera, Death, and Mayhem, um, would be like my uh, get your rocks off. That would be your V12, so, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're the four bands that sort of like I know, I love, they've brought the most amount of influence to all my playing. Um, but yeah, if I was going to keep with the uh, Heathen Fest lineup, I'd definitely go with that 20 band lineup. Nice, nice. So, uh, uh, actually, we can probably fit in the question. Who are your idols? Like, non-metal, non-music, non-celebrity, why? Um, non-metal, Robert Johnson. Um, purely because without him, I reckon there would be no metal. You listen to his, yeah, well, that's it. You listen to his album, and, and that shit is probably... I'd put that on par with some of the black metal I listen to. Like, you listen to, like, Hellhounds on my trail, man. That's dark. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome, you know. Um, non-music. Um, non, this is a hard one. And in the back of my head, it keeps saying, like, don't take Hitler, don't take Hitler. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I reckon, like, um, Anton LaVey purely because he's like um, I don't know he's like a weird influence on the things I do in the fact I don't need like the satanic bible to know not to be a fucking dick to people and how to conduct myself um, in my living but at the same time like he's uh, his works have had a massive influence on both me and almost everything I'm into when it comes to music and artwork um, tattooing like some of my favourite tattooists like Paul Booth um, you know definitely can't say that like they haven't read through the satanic bible or you know the ritual and drawn some sort of influence um, non-celebrity I'd probably say my old man or my brother um, mainly because uh, without sounding too corny here but like they were sort of like the drive when I was a kid to sort of go out and do things um, I wanted to play guitar so my old man brought me a guitar and I was like fucking play guitar man do what you want to do um, I wanted to get into metal and you know my old man was like cool yeah like, let's get into some metal you know um, whereas um, I know a lot of people's parents were sort of like they had to listen to you know one of my mates came home with a Slayer album and he had to turn it right down so he wouldn't get in trouble whereas you know I didn't um, and same with my brother I mean everything I did he helped me with or was there with me so um, that's probably my non-celebrity as corny as it is I mean it's the first influence I have when it comes to anything and idols nice nice uh, so last two questions and then we can wrap it up because it was only supposed to go for 20 to 30 minutes and it's nearly been an hour <laughs> uh, do you have uh, social media plugs Facebook, Twitter for Eden Fest or Facebook and Twitter for South Coast Metalheads yeah yeah, definitely um, so we've got uh, South Coast Metalheads on Facebook and Twitter um, 
So you can look up uh, South Best Metalheads on Facebook or I believe it's uh, SEMH666 on Twitter. And for Heathen Fest, it is um, Heathen Fest on Facebook and there isn't a Twitter page for that one. But there's an event page and everything, as well as our website, which is southcoastmetalheads.com. Um, which has every bit of information that we put on our page um, as well as our merch store and, you know, random shout-outs. If people have bands that they're looking to fill members for, hit us up and we'll put it on our page and our website. Cool. Uh, So uh, the last question, I always end on this question. No matter who I'm interviewing, whether it's AJ Matter from Soundwave or... I uh, previously mentioned Frank Bello from Anthrax or even Bernie Shaw from Uriah Heap. Uh, you get to pick one. Uh, a, ask me a question. B, B, ask a really strange or weird question. Or C, give me the quote of the week for the next show. Oh, um... Let's go and ask a weird question because I don't know. I like to see what weird is. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be weird to you because I'm not sure if there's much weird to you, but uh, it would be I, I weird to I the average listener, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Have you ever, beyond the edge of 10, eaten grass? Eaten grass? Um,. Probably when I was really drunk, I would say. I mean, um, back when I used to drink, I've done some pretty weird fucking shit. I know I've woken up many a times with, like, grass rash all down my front where I've just eaten shit running down a hill. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to throw some dirt and maybe some sand in there too, just for good measure. Uh, For uh, two bucks one time when I still drink, because I don't drink anymore. Oh, yeah, I don't. Anymore. Um, for two dollars one time, I ate an entire bowl of dry dog food. <laughs> Man, I, I got a friend that does that um, sober. Like he just reckons dog food is like the bee's knees. Holy shit! Yeah, I know. He's like my favorite guy to bring to parties. He'll <laughs> be like, "Hey, look at this!" I'll be like, "Yeah, that's fucking good. Check this guy out." And he's just like in the corner, like chewing into one of them big dog rolls. Nice. Nice. Alrighty. So this has been Lukey Worthington from Heathen and Fest and Sacco's Metalheads. Thank you for being on the show, Lukey. That's alright. Cheers for having me. And uh, we hope it all goes well. I'll be there and uh, we've got an interview with Torvoris lined up for later this week. And uh, I'm hoping to get a few of the other um, members from the Heathen uh, Fest lineup to do interviews as well and I'll hit them up soon I haven't written any questions for them uh. but uh, yeah, yeah. It's, sounds good go to Facebook search Heathen Fest uh, or South Coast Metal Heads if you have any questions Heathen Fest has a event page like Lucky said uh, yeah what what's the price of admission $20 so you can buy tickets on Mosh Ticks which are um, 2350 to 350 is booking fees, or you can buy them off our big cartel. They will be available at the door, but I advise people buy them pre-sale, just in case we sell out on the night. I don't want anyone to be disappointed. So the price doesn't change at the door? Not at all. It's $20 flat rate. As much as I would like to make it 25 for all them suckers that didn't buy pre-sale, $20 flat rate on the night and pre-sale. Uh, cool and uh, so when's the date what time what venue I forgot to actually ask that we talked about it but we forgot all the details alright 3rd of June at the Maria Waterfront Hotel um, from about 6 o'clock so 6 o'clock is the beard comp and we want to kick the bands off around about 7.30 to 8 o'clock so be there by 6 to watch the beard comp as well as beforehand during the day, we will have beer and metal with reggae and Timmy and Tim from Hot Dog Brewery. So Hot Dog Brewery is doing Black Mountain, uh, Rain of Terror beer, sorry. Um, and that's during the day for about five o'clock. 
um, beer samples of the hot dog Rainer Terra beer, um, as well as getting the talk about beer and brewing and everything metal with the boys um, from about five o'clock. So from five o'clock is the beer, be there from six for the actual event, but. Is the beer tasting everything a part of that $20 or is that a different cost uh, or is that free entry? Uh, no, so that's a separate cost. Um, I believe it's $5 for five beers or something like that. Um, just little sample pots. Um, and it's it's a part of the event, but because it is an alcoholic thing, I can't sort of, you know, they'd encourage everyone to come along to that um, if they want to bring their kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. If you don't know where the waterfront is in Maria, it's on the... Baton's Bay side of the bridge. So before you cross the bridge and go into town, the waterfront is right there. It's the one that uh, with the jumping castle. Although I don't think that would be set up on the night. No, 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 not on the night. <laughs> but yeah, Eden Fest looks great. It's going to be a great night, and I encourage everyone to buy your tickets and come on out. Yeah. Get in the pit. Yeah, get in the pit. Alrighty, thank you again, Loki. Uh, cheers, Tom.